0: Look at what the Bible says about some stuff, amen. If you don't know me, my name's Jordan, and I'm a pastor at a Cooper's Church in Wellington. Uh, uh, (laughs) Yeah, thank you, thank you. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, and uh, and uh, we're just excited about what God's doing in Wellington because we know that God's changing the world, and we get to be part of it. It's really exciting, and so because I'm here, it's a, this is the amazing thing about Wellington, because I'm here, um, uh, someone else had to preach in Wellington, right? And so that would ordinarily be John O'Brown, but instead of that, because we we're preaching on tender love, we thought we'd get someone who loves other people to preach, uh, and um, not, yeah, yeah, so you can't, obviously can't get a pastor, it's got to be someone else, and, uh, and so we got, uh, we got uh, Dr. Dougal Sutherland, he's a psychologist, and he's in our church, so we, oh, let's get Dougal to do it. He's awesome, and, he, and so he's been preparing for months, and he's preaching this morning. But you know how, how many people serve in church on a roster? Yeah, yeah, so he does too, Pastor Dougal does. He has a PhD, and he's been a clinical psychologist for 17 years, uh, but has recently just changed, and now he teaches all the psychologists at the university. So he takes only year seven and eight students, so people have already been at university for seven years Uh, So, he's he's a bit of a monster in terms of teaching, and he flies all around the country, and one of his other jobs is that he checks on all the other psychologists, so if there's any complaints, he goes in to decide whether they can be a psychologist anymore. Uh, So, we thought we'd get him to preach, because he's qualified, (laughs) Uh, but because he's on the rosters in church, he's also leading the packing team and preaching, because, you know, that's how it works. Sometimes it's like, wow, it just happened like that, Uh, and we happened to be in an alternative venue, so he had to hire a truck on Saturday, so... He's hiring the truck on Saturday, and then him and his teenage son are loading the truck uh, on Saturday afternoon, and uh, then they park the truck outside the house, and he gets up at five, he drives the truck to Wellington Girls College, and sets it all up, has to get the whole riffraff slash team getting excited, let's get it all set up, get it all going, and then he gets to sing a couple of songs and then preach the sermon, right? And that's why you do a PhD, isn't it? So you can do something like that, but you know, (laughs) at Equipers in Wellington, you don't get to drive the truck without a PhD. You don't, You can't lead the pack and team without that sort of experience, that sort of education. That's the level that we're setting. That's a whole nother level. It's a whole nother level. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it actually is really exciting, the people that are coming to church. I was looking around. There's like, there was, we have about 100 people at church on Sunday morning. I was looking around, and there were seven PhDs or doctors there. So there's an orthopedic surgeon, a medical surgeon, um, there's Dr. Dougal, his wife, Dr. Rachel, uh, the Dr. Emma Brown, uh, who's Jono's wife. Uh, then there was uh, 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 another guy who works for IRD. He's a clinical uh, PhD psychologist as well. Uh, and then another guy who's a geologist, studies earthquakes, uh, it was pretty phenomenal. So there was, in the end we counted up, there were seven doctors uh, in the room, which is pretty awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, and, and one, um, I have a, a diploma of teaching as well. That's. <laughs> It's also, yeah, yeah, I had to write a couple of assignments for that as well. And it was, I tell you what, it was a challenging two and a half years getting that done. I'll tell you, jingoes, it was hard work. It was hard work. Uh, yeah, yeah. How many single people have we got in the room? Give a wave if you're single. you ready to mingle, yeah. Sound of someone standing way too keen. Yeah, uh, with somebody, that's someone who just got single, right? Yeah, like, yeah. Ready to rock it. Got a hot date for Beauty and the Beast. Big tub of popcorn, it's gonna rock and roll, yeah? Yeah, it's gonna be awesome. Anyway, how many people are single? Give me a wave, right? Give me a wave. Right, how many people are going out? Like you've, you've got like an arrangement with somebody, like you, you know, you're, like you're committed somewhere. Give me a wave, yeah? How many keen, like how many keen persons next to you, they're not, they've said no, you're really keen to get it done. We could prophesy and get something organized. Yeah. yeah, how old are you? How old are you? Twenty-seven. Wow! You got to give me your a business card for your beautician, man. I need to see that person. That is awesome. That is awesome. Anyhow, um, my survey on singleness is just uh, has gone. I uh, got distracted. The, how many people like? A, how many people? Where are we up to? Like, you're going out. Like, you got your friend. You wrote a note. You gave to a friend. They gave it to her. How many people got that, you know, will, will you be my girlfriend, spelt, friend spelt wrong? <laughs> hand up, hand up. Who's like, Not many of you, you guys got to get busy. Yeah, yeah, awesome. We need to do a workshop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shout, me and Pastor Kathy have been talking about organising speed dating at Shout Conference. And uh, how many of you reckon Pastor Kathy should organise that? Yeah, wow, yeah. Anyhow, um, how many people are going out? Uh, no, engaged. how many people are engaged? We got any, hey, Nicole is, yeah. Uh, and George as well. He's not engaged too. How many other people are engaged? Just Yeah, oh, congratulations. Hey, awesome. When's the date? Long time away, yeah. Three months. Two years. Ooh. Man. Ooh. Jeez. I couldn't, I, man, I'm not a patient person, so. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. My, uh, yeah. Anyhow, moving on. You're, I do know, you think, oh, like Barnes laughing, he thought I would say what he would say then. Was, I'm not even thinking. Um, do you know, when, you, when you're, how many people like you're single, like single, is that awesome? I can remember when I was single, right? Like if I wanted to go, when I was single, if I wanted to go surfing, right? Right, I would just get in the car, I would get my surfboard first, and I would get in the car, and I would just go, I would drive, off I would drive. Do you remember these times, you remember these times, like if the, any old people in the building? Do you remember that? Like if you want to go skating, you go skating. You know, if you want to listen to a certain radio station in the car, do you know what you do? You just tune the radio to that station in the car. That's all you do. Or you put the tape in, your tape, the one you like, you put your mixtape in and you just put it. If you want to listen to music in the car, if you're single, if you want to listen to music in the car, do you know what you do? You just put the tape in the car. That's it. Simple. Right? But once you start going out with somebody, just those two simple things become really complicated. I can remember when I was first going out, we'd be driving along in a 1972 Toyota Corolla station wagon. Two doors, a two-door station wagon. Who invented that? It's so cool. Uh, driving along, road flashing through, holes in the floor, or driving there. We got the tape in, obviously driving slow because you couldn't hear the stereo if you got up to 100. You couldn't hear it. And, uh, and, and my girlfriend, whose name is Christine Smith, who's hopefully not watching on the live stream, said... <laughs> She, she would say something like this. Do you, do you like this song? Do... So I, it's just a simple question, isn't it? Man, just a simple question. I was like, yeah, I like the song. That's why it's on the tape. <laughs> that's, why I, that's why I stayed up hours waiting for it to come on the radio to press record at exactly the right minute. <laughs> right. I'm not a coordinated person. I I never ever ever could get the first part of the song. And then sometimes I didn't get... what anyone have a mixtape that had ads on it? Like... It's uh, (laughs) it's no good. If you don't know what I'm talking about, it's too hard to explain. It's like olden days. Do you like this song? Suddenly I didn't know whether I liked it or not. Because I know that I wanted, I know that I liked it, but I, what I wanted was for her to like me much more than I liked that song. Like I liked her a lot more than any songs, right? Even I liked her more than the concept of music, right? <laughs> and I was like, it's pretty important that she liked me, so I had to say, ah, oh, I don't know. And then a conversation of suggestion and inference and innuendo and su- surprise <laughs> would take place, right? And then we'd, I'd, we'd finally get to the bottom of the, that that no, was a terrible song and the tape would be thrown out, right? We don't need that. And, and then we'd be driving along and you know we you're driving on the car and you're a little bit, if you're a little bit cold, you just, in this old car, you just slide it from the, from the, from the blue side. You just, this is what you do, Pastor Kathy. If you're a little bit cold, you just slide it across towards the red one. Nowadays, you just go, beep, 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 beep. You know, but in the old days, you had to like, quickly, you knee know, up to get the old thing to change over, right? <laughs> yeah? Right, and so if you drive along and, uh, and, and Christine, the lovely Christine would say, are you a little bit cold? It's like, no I'm not. Right, because if I was a little bit cold, I would just move the thing across, right? But now I'm not, I'm, not, I'm, I'm going out with somebody now. It's not as simple as just moving it across. It's way, way more complicated, right? I'm not well, I'm sort of cold. Are you cold? Are you hot? So well, there's another 15 minutes of, well, I don't know. Well, what do you want? Right? And then we'd, then we'd have to decide what we wanted to have for dinner. Then we'd have to decide what movie we'd go to. And by the end of the day, I'd be completely exhausted. <laughs> a week before, when I was still single, the whole day I would just drive my car with a song on. It. I'd, turn the, I'd turn the heater down. I'd turn the heater up just for fun. Down. Uh. <laughs> Uh, uh, do you know what I mean? I'd eat a pie, I'd eat a pie for lunch, I'd eat another pie for dinner, right? I'd eat a, another pie for dessert, right? And I'd go surfing or whatever I want. But as soon as every time there's, there's more people in your world, your life becomes more complicated. There's more going on, there's more things to pay attention to right? And as you become aware of the world around you, right? For instance, you start reading newspapers, you might listen to the radio, you might even go to university, you start studying about history or politics or philosophy or religion, you might, you might begin to, to understand what's going on in our society and societies around the world. And how many people know the more you pay attention to what's going on around you, the more in tune you are with what's going on around, you. you can become very overwhelmed with all of the stuff Right? You follow enough people on Twitter and you'll be completely confused. I've got a Twitter account where I've, got, I've just followed the wrong people. Like I've followed way too many left-wing politicians. It's like way too many. Right? It's offending my politics. Right? I need to change who I'm following so that everyone agrees with me. Like It's too complicated. Right, the more people that we have in the world, the bigger our view, the broader our vision, we can be overwhelmed by all of the stuff that's going on. And I wanna suggest to you today that we must, we've got to keep it simple. Here's my first uh, visual for you. We've gotta keep it simple. Okay, it'll come. Right, life gets complicated, but we've gotta come back to what's simple. I've got three simple scriptures that I read this morning, and I'm gonna read them again to you, right? How many people know that praying is important? Jesus teaches us to pray, and he says this. He, in Matthew chapter 6, he says, pray like this. How people? That's a simple sentence. Pray like this. Our Father in heaven. Everyone say, Our Father? Our Father. Now say it like you're not at school. Our Father. Our Father. In, heaven. in heaven. Come on, he's our Father. Our Father. He's in heaven. in heaven. Praised or hallowed be your name. Holy be your name. Stop saying that. <laughs> some of you are like so you get, you're onto it you into it you into it into it so this is how you pray you start off by acknowledging the fact that he's awesome he's massive we say in heaven and, and and most of us think about heaven as up but it's not up it's just bigger and beyond right it's dimensionally different to earth right earth is our domain that we're in charge of which is why we have issues here Heaven is His domain where He's fully in charge, which is why it works, right? So we pray like this. We pray, our Father, so He's our Father. He's not just our God. He's our Father. He originated us. He created us. He has nurtured us through life. That's where we pray. Our Father in heaven. You're beyond, but you're bigger. The thing about heaven, it's not distant. It's right here, but invisible. So it's dimensionally different, not geographically or spatially different. It's dimensionally different. He's in a different dimension. But we pray, "Our Father in heaven, hallowed be name." Then we pray, "Your kingdom come, and Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven." Anyone aware of these words? Anyone familiar with this? Right. That's simple. God, you're big. God, you're awesome. God, you're amazing. And then on earth, we want to see you move. On earth, we want to see your impact. We want to see you influence. Simple scripture number two, it says this in Matthew chapter 28. Jesus comes to the disciples and he says this, which is similar. He says, all authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. That's Jesus saying that. All authority on heaven and earth is given to me. How many you know that's the guy you want on your team? Right? He just says, I'm in charge of heaven and I'm in charge of earth now. Right? So this vertical reality, this distant reality has connected with our present reality. And Jesus says, I'm in charge of everything you can't see. And now, because this is after his resurrection, now I'm in charge of everything you can see as well. Right? Because this is, Jesus is the answer to our prayer. Our Father in heaven, may your hallowed be your kingdom come, your will be done. And then Jesus says, I've got all the authority in heaven and and I've got all the authority on earth. I'm the boss of everything. And then Jesus says this, now go into all the world and make disciples. Mark says, go and preach the gospel, right? So that's how we make disciples, is that we preach the gospel. Cool? Right? So in both these ideas, there's this vertical reality of God being up and above and distant and him coming and connecting with earth. And then there's this spreading out that says, God, your will be done on earth. We're going into all the world, right? Jesus said it like this. Someone asked him, What's the greatest commandment? Right? And Jesus said, Well, greatest, it's an easy question. He actually said it's easy. The greatest commandment is this: love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and all your strength, right? That's with your all your all. And then Jesus went on with the question, with the answer, and he said, The second commandment is the second greatest commandment is just as important that you love your neighbor as yourself, right? So this is simple, Byron, right? It's simple. How many people know that this is simple? There's this reality of God, his goodness, his greatness, his creative power, his wonder, his awesomeness that wants to connect with the world. And then we've got the role of pushing it out to the left and to the right, with our going and making disciples, with our loving one another, with our prayer that says your kingdom come and your will be done. One of the challenges living in Wellington is that everybody is cool apart from the people who work for the government. Everyone else is cool. (laughs) Right? And our church is at the Cuba Street end of Wellington, right? And so everyone is like, very cool, right? And so I've been needing to plan a tattoo. Right? First of all, I had to think where I'd put the tattoo, right? Because obviously there's options, appropriate and inappropriate, right? And I had to make a list, appropriate places for tattoos, inappropriate places for tattoos, right? (laughs) Right? Had to, yeah, because you've got to think about things. How many of you know you've got to think about things? Most of you don't know you've got to think about things. You've got to think about things, right? right? I was thinking, because of my friend Byron, I was thinking, man, I, I need some sort of symbol, some sort of, uh, some sort of message that I could put down, everything that I'm on about as a tattoo. I needed also to think of something that was going to be small enough to fit on my arm, right? Like a roaring lion face was going to be in imp- not very impressive at sort of two centimetres <laughs> diameter. Right? I'd be, be like, meow. Right? I sort of think, like, you know, like that would be a cool tattoo, right? If you had arms, you know what I mean? Not, not like just the pipe cleaners, they, hairy pipe cleaners, right? They're not so good, right? So I needed to think of something that was long and thin. So this is what I thought of as a brand identity. We're going to throw it up there. There. I, we could sum up our faith. What do you reckon? We could sum up our faith with, with some sort of simple image that represented the fact that God above was wanting to connect with the dirt of the earth he created and that we as the church could stretch out our arms and embrace with love the world around us. I was thinking we could solve the church's branding problems with this simple symbol. I wonder if every Christian could answer questions a little differently. I wonder if we could, when this. This us say, Christian leader article and stuff follows up by a conversation in the workplace anyone had this scenario I wonder if we could say look I don't know the people in the story I don't really know what they're on about I'm pretty sure the reporter didn't either But but I do know this Christianity is about loving God and it's about loving people it's about God's love coming and touching earth, and then our, our responsibility as Christians to stretch out our arms and love people around us. I wonder what it would look like if every Christian was empowered just to say that. Like, I don't know about Mike Pence, right? He's a Christian, but I don't really know what he's on about. I don't know about his politics, but I know this. Christianity is about God's love and His love for the earth. It's about our love for Him, and it's about us responding to His love for us by stretching our arms out wide. Anything that doesn't fit into this paradigm is not really Christianity. If it's not driven by the love of God or the love from God, if it's not driven by our desire to honor and love God and our desire to honor and reach out and love people, do you know what? It might sound like Christian. It might sound religious, but it's not really what Jesus is on about. He died on this brand. He didn't die on any others. He didn't die on a brand of judgment. He didn't die on a brand of cynicism. He didn't die on a brand of control and manipulation. He didn't die on a dollar sign. He died on this one, which is about heaven reaching earth and about those who are touched by God, reaching out and touching others. It's inspiring. Uh, It's tiring. How many people know it's tiring? It's not just tiring. It's it's demanding. I was saying this morning, like it would be easier to reach my neighbours if they weren't weird. (laughs) Do you know? Uh, It it would be easier to invite people from your workplace to church, wouldn't it? Be how many people? How many people? It's actually not that easy. It's like. I have trouble inviting people from my workplace to church and I work at the church. (laughs) Everyone there is is my staff member, it's still challenged. (laughs) I was riding on the bus the other day and and, and I was just looking around all the people on the bus. It's like, man, it'd be great to just spark up a chatty conversation about Jesus. (laughs) So I was like building up the courage. I lean over to the person next to me, hello, you know? Henry <laughs> we heard Jesus? <laughs> this is not true, I don't ride the bus. <laughs> no, not since, the, since one time I was not allowed, but anyway, I don't go on the bus. <laughs> I don't know, uh, I, 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 in me there's this, 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 this desire, this, this, this word from God that says we've got to reach we've gotta reach out to people. It's, it's gotta be the reach of love. It's gotta be a reach of blessing. It's gotta be a reach of healing, because it's gotta be God that's reaching out. Not like you should come along to my church because it's awesome, but you should come along and meet God, because he's awesome. There's something that we've gotta embrace in our journey. Amen? And, and, and you know, I reckon we've gotta do it. I put some statistics up this morning. I've just got one I wanna add. Uh, In New Zealand, the prison muster, which is what they call the number of prisoners uh, in our prison system has just clipped. It's actually bigger than this. This is last year's number. It's actually gone just over the 10,000, which is the biggest it's ever been in the history of New Zealand. Um, And it's because we're reminding people for longer is one of the biggest things driving it. When when you're up for a court case, they're holding more of the prisoners because of some high profile cases, they're holding more. And also that three strikes thing is pushing our prisoners prisoner numbers up, right? So there's a lot of them are these guys, um, mostly male. The prison population is almost entirely male. Uh, There's 33 and a half percent, 20 to 29 year olds. I was just wondering, is there a better place we could put them? (laughs) I, I don't know anything about prison. I've done zero research. I Googled this just like prison numbers. But I just think, wow, prison. We've got a friend who works, Thai, he's your friend too, right? He works in in corrections running e-groups. He says, I just run e-groups. He doesn't say that at work. It's like... Behavioural Therapy Program. (laughs) It's not, anyway, it's not like my e-group, the the group he's running. Like, they have to be there or they, you know, anyway. (laughs) And then these other guys, so 20 20 through to 39, that's 62% of the prison population uh, is these guys. 20, 20 years old through to 39 years old. Um, mostly male, but obviously women as well. And, and they estimate, they don't know this number, I think it's wrong they don't know this number, but they estimate that 20,000 children right now, 20,000 kids have got a mum or a dad, most likely dad, in prison. Do you know at Church in Wellington? We, uh, there's two little boys who live with their grandparents. Their grandparents are part of our church, awesome family. But their mum just got sent to prison. So of these 20,000, I know two of them and they're in church they're in boom, every Sunday. They're awesome Christian grandparents who are bringing them up to know Jesus. That's an awesome, it's gonna be awesome outcomes, right? But their mom's just been um, sentenced or she's just been convicted and she's been held for sentencing. Um, and these two little boys, it's the, their life is in the best possible place it could be for two little kids in the scenario of their bigger picture, right? The, their, her, their grandparents are just awesome people. But the, for these two little boys, just to see the pain and the anger of well, the situation that they're in, just makes me think we, we've got to reach out. I don't know, a big primary school is 500 kids. Right? If you want to serve in Boom sometime with maybe 50 or 60 kids, right? then just imagine 20,000 children maybe angry, 20,000 children definitely hurting. We need to reach out, amen? Just skip the next two slides, we're moving on because this, this is a high achieving crowd. I've got, I've got a picture, this, this is off the internet, just skip this one, yeah, this, is, this is the picture I like. I didn't know whether it was uh, like, it um, looked like lots of coffee cups. <laughs> you know, different sized cups, right? I, I love this. This is this is an art, an artist, not not me. Trying to capture a picture of something that's in scripture, something that's in the Bible, and and it's it's trying to capture this picture. This picture's called River, and it's trying to capture this idea that there's this flow. There's this heaven to earth flow, there's this earth to earth flow that God wants to work through, that the Holy Spirit wants to work through in our life. I don't know what you think about religion, and you think about church, but, but it, it's really about flow, that God would flow His love and His grace into some people, and that uh, there'd be a splashing out, a stretching out. That's that symbol of the cross, of the flow of God, and then the stretching out. I'm praying that's what's happening for those two boys in our kids' program, that the God would flow into Amelia, the boom team leader, that there'd be a flow into her that splashes out into them, that there's a blessing, and, and there's, a, there's an overflow, and there's a healing that's even today because they're in church today, a healing that's flowing to those boys that's breaking down the hurts and the pain. I know for a fact that there's a flow of God into their grandparents, and I'm praying that as they're putting them to bed at night, that flow of God is flowing into grandma and granddad, and it's flowing out into two little boys whose hearts are broken. I know that there's a flow into your life, Bola, and you've got to understand that he's flowing into you much more powerfully than you realize, and there's a flow out of you that you have to open up and you have to release out. We could hear it in the testimony tonight around campus. There's a flow of God. There wasn't a person just sharing about what they've been doing. There's a flow that's hit them. There's a deluge from heaven. There's a prophetic sound. There's a prophetic feeling. It looked like that when he was talking about sausage sizzles and people coming and and families coming and people responding. It looks like the river of God, this multicolored, this powerful, this touching everyone kind of flow. See, the reality is the simplicity of the gospel becomes a multi. Multifaceted, complex solution to all of the problems in the world. It's a simple flow of God. But have a look around the room. God flows in here. This is us. This is the house. God flows in here and then he flows out of you. I don't know what color you are in here. I, I, put, put, I think of myself more like the green bits. Maybe you're one of those tidy circles. Maybe you're just one of the smudges. But there's a flow of God, and God flows the this, this same love, the same grace, hits all of us but the thing is we're all from all, look we're all from different cultural backgrounds we're all from different family backgrounds we're all positioned in different parts of the city in different levels of society we've got people who are working in high schools we've got people who are attending high schools we've got people working in government and, uh, and business and owning businesses and working in businesses and we've got people driving driving buses we've got people riding on buses Do you know multiply that across every church in the city and God's flowing. And it becomes this multifaceted complex solution when it comes out of us. How do we how do we address all of the cultural mess and challenge and difficulty that is New Zealand? Well, I'm just telling you it's real simple. Yeah the flow of God comes into us and then it flows out of us. And then Kathy says something different to what I say and Destiny says something different to what Kathy says and Ed says something different to what they say and Lyle says something differently and then we bring our color, we bring who we are, we bring our culture and we allow God to flow through us and suddenly we become a solution. Suddenly we go from being just religious people tucked into a corner with a judgmental message but out of us flows love and a love that people can understand, a love that people can heal because it's in their language It's in their culture. It's someone who looks like them. It's someone who sounds like them. It's someone who works with them. It's someone who sits next to them on the bus. It's not someone on the TV only. It's not someone uh, on uh, on a billboard only. It's not just a preacher on the pulpit. It's the people of God and the flow of God and God's grace and power and love flowing into the city. I don't know about you. I'm pretty excited. I'm pretty excited because God's doing it. I want to tell you this for a matter of fact. It's reality. The flow and the grace and the power of God is flowing. Yeah. 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 We pray some silly prayers, well-intentioned, but we pray things like, Holy Spirit, we welcome you here. It's a funny thing to say to an omnipresent creator God. <laughs> we welcome you here. Oh, the Holy Spirit's like, whoa, hold on. where, where did you think I was? <laughs> 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 Sometimes you imagine the Holy Spirit's like, Kramer? Do you you ever pray? I pray this all the time in Wellington. God, move in our city. God's like, I am. I am moving in your city, Jordan. God, I pray your grace and your love and your mercy would flow to Wellington. And God's like, it, it, it is. For a long time, has been. Forever. Manifested in Jesus, but forever God's love has been flowing to earth. Forever God's attention has been upon us. Forever His hand has been stretched out to us. Forever's heart has been breaking as our heart breaks. Forever he's been longing to reach you and longing to reach through you. Forever he's been flowing. In Ezekiel chapter 47, we read this awesome poem, this vision that Ezekiel has. When you read it, just like, wow, it's cool. In my vision, a man... The man is an angel, or it's Jesus. It brings me back to the entrance of the temple, and I saw a stream that was flowing east from the temple beneath the door, and it just flew out and passed into the right of the altar, at the south side. That's geographical and difficult to understand. But the man brought me outside of the wall and through the north gateway and led me around the eastern entrance. This is quite a detailed vision. He's walking around an actual city in his mind. Sherlock Holmes sort of style, right? And there I could see the water flowing out through the south side of the east gate. It's flowing out. This is not a vision he saw of God wanting to move. This is a vision he saw and God's moving. God's moving, God's flowing, God's love's available. His grace is moving out into the city flowing out from under the temple door and he measured as he went and he goes for 1750 feet and goes across and the water's up to his ankles he goes another 1750 feet and they go across again it's up to his knees he goes another 700 1750 feet and it's up to his waist and then it's measured again and then the river's too deep to walk in and he has to swim in this river of god's flow and grace and blessing but it's flowing and, and the further it goes, the deeper it gets. And, it's, and, and as we get into it, it grows and it becomes something that overwhelms us and that we can flow with. And it goes on into the next section and describes what happens as this river begins to flow. And he says, if you've been watching, and he led me along the river bank. Everyone say river bank. When I returned, I was surprised by the sight of many trees growing on both sides of the river. These trees grow up and the trees actually form the bank because the trees put the roots down on the edges of the water and they're nourished by the river, but they don't, they're not just nourished by the river, they also create a channel for the river. The trees aren't just happening to be there, they, they, the trees are growing on the edge of the river because we don't really understand in New Zealand, but a river in the desert becomes just this, 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 this river, this becomes a road, it becomes a, a pathway of life through a dead place. And everywhere the river goes, life will spring up along the edges of it. And that's what happens. When the flow of God happens, life springs up, begins to grow. And that's what happened in my life. When the love and the grace of God attaches itself to me, connects with me, the tree of who I really am begins to grow out. And the weakness of my flesh begins to disappear as the spirit man of who I really am, who I'm really created to be, begins to grow up, begins to stretch out, begins to mature. And the trees grow up big and they flourish and then there's fish in the sea, the river flows all the way to the Dead Sea. And as the river touches the Dead Sea, it makes the dead and unclean waters of the Dead Sea, it brings the whole sea back to life. And the sea produces now life. And there's fish and fishermen and prosperity and abundance. The sea is always... a a picture in the Bible of death and of sin and of distance and of, of, of unrecoverable depth away from God. And God goes all the way from the temple. God flows through this river. The trees are growing down the side of it and God goes all the way to the Dead Sea. God touches his fingers. He touches his hand right into the very, into death itself and brings life where there's everything but life and there's abundance everything where there's everything but abundance, right? It says the marshes and the swamps will not be purified. They'll still be salty or they'll be dead. But fruit trees of all kinds grow along the sides of the river, and the fruit is food, and the leaves are for healing of the nations. I don't know. That's why I put the picture up. Because it's hard to convey in words the power of this flow. But we all feel it every Sunday. I was talking this morning about one of the. Young people in our church, they say, What's changed your life? You just said the words of the songs. Because there's a flow of God. There's fruit and there's healing in this flow of God. Everyone say flow. flow. Just notice this the river is flowing. I've already said that. We're not waiting for God to flow. We're not waiting, do you know, you're not waiting for God to flow into your life. He's already flowing into your life. He's already blessing you abundantly. He's pouring out His goodness upon you. He's pouring it out. He is flowing. The river is flowing from the temple. Who's who's the temple? New Testament Christians, come on as we read this story. Where does the river of God flow from? It's from, from us sort of individually but much more corporately in community god flows out from us as we gather together so when we're here gathering together the flow of god is here because we're gathering together in community and also in corporate power to see god move in our city every time you come to church you're changing the shape of our city you're changing the shape of our world because you're creating the temple out of which god can flow uh into our city the river is life everyone say life The leaves are for healing. And the further from the temple, the deeper the river becomes. Uh, Rivers have banks. A river has banks. Like, that's just what they do. If you have a river, you have banks. You have shape. And all along the banks of this river in the picture that Ezekiel had are these trees that grow up. Psalm 1 talks about the righteous person, which is us in Christ. We are like trees growing beside a river. So, because the river of God is flowing in and through our life, that our roots can go into that nutrients and, 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 and we can be sustained by God's goodness, by his love, by his grace. And we can make we can stretch out branches and we can and begin to sustain ourselves in God. The thing about banks that's really important is that banks hold a shape. See, God's flowing into your life. But you don't know it because you haven't learned to hold a shape. God's flowing. Every time the church gathers, God's love and grace and mercy flows. But we, we, we need to constantly grow in our ability to hold a shape. To hold a shape. I, I, I think we could hold the shape of this cross. It's about the love, it's about the grace of God. It's about Him and His goodness touching earth, and then it's about us simply stretching our hands out. In equipers, we say it like this, we're honoring Him and we do everything with excellence that's focused on Him as our worship to God. And He touches earth and then we serve and we reach out and we do that in community. This is our shape. These, these heartbeats of equipers are, are the shape that will allow God to flow. Come on, every time, every time you, you think, will I honor God in this thing that I know, or will I not? Will I bring my tithe, or will I not? Will I serve with everything I've got on a Sunday? Will I, will, 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 I, will I allow my heart to be broken for my neighbors, for the people on the bus? Will I reach out? Every time you think, will I do it, or will I not? The question you're asking yourself is, will I be the bank's? or will I create a swamp? Will I create in my actions and my lifestyle and my decision making and in my behavior, will I create a space where God can flow? Will I create a shape where God's flow can be channeled and harnessed and it can grow deeper and deeper and go from ankles to overhead and there could be an overhead flow in our city? The reason there's not an overhead flow that's sweeping New Zealand right now is because Christians can't hold shape. Your biggest challenge isn't what you think it is. Your biggest challenge is to walk out your faith in a way that's consistent with what you know is true. I know that's your biggest challenge because I have the same challenge. My biggest challenge isn't growing Equibus Church Wellington, my biggest challenge isn't preaching, my biggest challenge isn't raising my kids, my biggest challenge is will I live out with conviction the shape that God has defined for me? Will I, as a tree, allow my roots to go down deep into the love of God and be nurtured by His goodness? Will I mature and hold shape in the bank with the tree to my left, with the tree to my right, with the trees on the other side? Will we hold together and allow the bank to be strengthened so the flow of God could become immense in our city? Will will I allow a fruit to grow out of my life that would be feeding to others? What I would I develop leaves that would heal the nations? Come on, it's your biggest challenge. It's my biggest challenge. John ten, John seven said that anyone who believes in Jesus, out of the inmost, out of our inmost being, would flow rivers of living water. I, I think every. Every Sunday we run the risk of being in the flow of God and they're just trudging out and just dripping sort of damp across our city. And we're sort of clammy and, and sort of, we're not really wet anymore because it was Wednesday now. But there's a, there's a hint of the fact that our, we're not quite dry. There's something of God about us. But my desire is God, Build in me. God, shift my attitude, shift my behavior, shift my focus, shift my, uh, my my selfishness, shift my hypersensitivity. Allow me to let my roots go down deep. Allow me to build strongly with the trees to my left, with the trees to my right, that we could build a shape and equip that allows the flow. Or that as equippers we could play our part in our small part of the bank to create a flow. So that we don't just have a swamp where we worship God on the Sunday, but then God, and God flows into our life, but it just sort of sits. There. You get a swamp when you, a, a swamp when it's not steep enough. You've got to make your life steep. It says, on Sunday, I'm going to meet with the mountain of God. And on Monday, I'm going to get down into the mess of life. And I'm gonna allow it to flow deep into my own life, into the deep dark bits deep inside me. I'm gonna keep a descent in my life where God can flow down. I'm just not gonna to pretend to be all flat. And, oh, it's all good, I'm on the level, there's nothing going on, I'm on the level. <laughs> you just get all swampy and boggy, and salty and dead. We've gotta have a flow, everyone say flow. Maybe close your eyes and bow your heads. I, I need to wrap up just now, hand back to Scotty. In a minute, Scott, we'll give you an opportunity to respond to Jesus. Perhaps you're here and you've never taken an opportunity to invite his salvation, his grace to forgive you and set you free. But before I hand over to Scott and he'll do that, I just wanna pray right now. If you just know, actually, you're more swamp than flow. You're more of a bog in your approach to life than you are a rushing river. Maybe you can identify what needs to shift, but maybe you just this message has just identified the fact that something has to shift. Something needs to change in your behaviors or your attitudes or both. And your habit patterns have got to shift so that God can flow through you. Come on, there's 20,000 kids in New Zealand that need a flow of God. There's homes that are broken and need Jesus. People lost and alone. The answer to all your, all your issues, in quotation marks, is to allow the flow of God to grow in your world. Come If you know that, so you just, as you, wherever you're sitting, just lift your hands, open them on your lap, or shoot them up to heaven if you're saying, yeah, I definitely need God to work in my world. I want to see a shift. Because let's be honest, you're not going to change you but you could relax, surrender, begin to be obedient, and allow God to direct you in a way that's gonna change your shape. So lift your hands if that's you, Holy Spirit, right now across this room. As people are responding right across this place, we release your anointing. Lord, there's grace, right? Come on, there's grace right now. Respond to his grace. Say, yes, that's me, God. Yes, that's me, God. I wanna be a tree that holds position. Holds shape so that the flow of God, the multifaceted goodness of God can touch our city, touch our nation, and touch the world.